All right, good morning again. Here I am. We're going to have our children go ahead and be dismissed to Children's Church. And if uh, parents, if you'd like to accompany them, we are welcome for you to have, to have you do that. Uh, out the doors there, Chase is there, another one of our uh, ministry leaders is out there, a couple elders. They'll head them out to their preschool leaders, and they're going to join us again uh, after our sermon is done, and we go back into our time of worship. So they're going to have a great time at Children's Church. We're going to be in Matthew, if you'd like to take a minute to turn there in your Bible. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, you can use one there in the pew rack in front of you. It's important, and we encourage you to, uh, to take God's Word out and let it bear down on your heart and your life. Matthew chapter 6. We'll be there in just a few minutes. We're going to take a few minutes here just to stop and at least for me to slow down and quiet my own heart. I don't know about you. Um, it's amazing, you know, Alistair is such an asset to our church community, and uh, I know you guys know that too. And when one, when one person is out, it's like, what happened? I, I think coffee didn't end up getting made today. And that wasn't Alistair's job. It just didn't, didn't happen because we, uh, we're missing a team, team member. So uh, we'll be in prayer for his family, but in prayer for just our church and our hearts right now. We'll take a moment just to settle in. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, you are a good and gracious God. God, in the midst of a world that is uncertain and doesn't appear to be good or gracious at all, we can trust in you. God, help us now as we come to your word. God, we've, we've sung praises to you, Lord. We've given from our heart as uh, generous givers, Lord. And now as we come to your word, we ask that you would, you would help us open our hearts and our minds to continue to be receptive to what you'll teach us. Quiet our hearts. God, the distractions that we face today, the things that were on our hearts and minds at home before we left or in the car on our way here or in between Sunday school and, and this time right now, Lord, or even distractions as we have read through our bulletin now. God, I, I pray that you would help us just to quiet our hearts and focus in on you. God, we confess that we are so inadequate, that we are so weak and helpless on our own, God, as we approach you, we don't approach you with pride. We don't approach you with having already figured everything out. We come to you to seek you, to find you, to be strengthened by you. God, in our, in our own church body, um, God, and, and those attached to it, God, there are lots of hurts, God, there are lots of sicknesses, illnesses. There are hardships that people are facing, whether it be relationally, God, maybe financially even. God, hardships in making decisions. God, we lay those at your feet. God, we pray that, that we would seek you. God, we pray that we would yield to you. As you teach us, as you instruct us, Lord, that as you lead us by your spirit and your word, that, God, we would be obedient. That, God, that we would look for answers there and not somewhere else. God, as we think about our days ahead, whether they're short or long, God, what we have to do, God, that, that worry and anxiety wouldn't overwhelm. That, God, we would, we would hold loosely in our hands 
the things of this world. God, even our very life. Because you gave us yours. And we can trust in you. And our hope is in you for eternal life. And we know you love us. God, we do pray, though, for you to reveal yourself in mighty ways. To restore broken relationships. God, to heal from imminent threat of disease or danger. God, we know that you are the true miracle worker. We can do nothing without you. We thank you for your son and the hope that we have in Christ. Let our hearts be settled in him. God, now, again, as we turn to your word, strengthen us, convict us of sin. God, move us to a place of repentant faith in you and trust in you. God, conform us into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his glorious name that we pray. Amen. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Um, this is, let me just give you a kind of a, a snapshot of where we're heading for at least uh, the rest of the summer and uh, let you know kind of what, the, what the, it looks like for our sermon series. Um, we are going to be ending after this sermon, um, or pausing rather, putting on pause, the Sermon on the Mount, but also the greater series that we have written So You Might Believe. We'll come back to it later. So right now we're going to put that on pause after today. Uh, next week we are actually going to have a church family time of prayer and instruction about prayer. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different format than what we're used to, but not in a great way, but it's going to be opportunity for us to be in prayer uh, and ready for prayer. Uh, the following week, my family and I will be gone uh, on our annual trip to uh, Montana, the Great White North. It's going to be great. And, uh, and, and Pastor Hoyt will be bringing the message that day. Um, he's undecided whether he'll start back up in the summer of the Psalms in Psalm 42, or, or, or maybe he'll start another um, letter to the churches, maybe Philemon or something else that he'll go through for the next six years. That's okay. Um, but whatever it is, he'll bring the word that day. Uh, the following Sunday is uh, Lord's Supper. And actually, we're really, you saw it a couple weeks ago, we tried to really hone in on that reverence and, and reflection of what that means. So I'll be bringing a message, that'll be my first Sunday back, I'll be bringing a message actually on the Lord's Supper, on the day we partake of the Lord's Supper. So we'll be talking more about that and really uh, letting God teach us from that. Um, I'm, I'm encouraged and excited about that for all of us. Um, and then we'll for sure be in, uh, through the rest of August uh, and through Labor Day, uh, the Summer in the Psalms. So we'll probably get six, uh, six Psalms done uh, this summer before we um, get through Labor Day and start something else. So that's kind of what you have uh, to look forward to. But today we're going to kind of end up and put a pause and put a pin uh, at the end of this uh, passage on, uh, um, in Matthew uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, and then we'll head somewhere else from there. Okay? We've been looking at, as we've gone through this, we've been looking at what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, right? This is what Jesus' great sermon is all about. He's, he's preaching the greatest sermon ever. He's the greatest teacher and greatest pastor ever. And he is teaching about what it is to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and to belong there. And so you and I ought to look at that, right? We ought to think, oh, I, I need to know the answer to that. I need to know what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so we've gone through quite a bit of that. Uh, when Alistair started that sermon, sermon uh, series, when Jesus got to the mountain, he said, this is what you need to know. He said, blessed are, right, the poor in spirit. And he went through a whole gamut of things, that, of attitudes of the heart that we must have, being poor in spirit and mourning and being empty and, and being hungry for something that we can never do on our own, but instead hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So not only are we looking at what it means to be a citizen 
of the kingdom of heaven. We are looking at what it means to live and practice the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven. And then from there, we've moved through to be salt and light, right? And, and uh, we saw last week, as, as Dave uh, Holst brought the message, we saw about fasting and prayer and about our wealth and, and where, our, where our heart should be and our treasure is. And, and so we were challenged by those things, that we had to practice righteousness. And one of the overarching themes of it all is that uh, a, a true righteousness that is practiced for the kingdom of heaven is a righteousness that absolutely has to come from the heart. It is not external. Right? It, it, what comes from the heart will show externally, but it has to start there, right? What's done in secret. When we pray, when we give, when we fast, we start in secret. Everything begins in secret. So uh, what we understood also as we went through this text is that's difficult to hear. Because as we practice that, as we, as we start with what's in secret, that, that gets a little bit icky sometimes, doesn't it? It, it, kind of, it, kind of, it kind of penetrates a little too deeply sometimes, and it, it frustrates us, and it, and it kind of feels like, we're, it, God, you're wrecking us a bit. He's like, yeah, I need to wreck you so you can have me. You can have me. And see, when, when God moves in, when we, when we say, God, I want you to be Lord, and he, he comes in, he, he begins to renovate. He's like, I'm not satisfied with what the rooms in your house look like. right? And, and we're talking about in here, right? So he begins to renovate the heart. So what's in your closet? What's in your living room? How big is the TV there, and what do you watch on it? This is what Jesus is dealing with, right? The heart. And that's where we have been, and that's where we'll continue to go. This passage today, as we look at Matthew 6, we're going to begin in verse 25. It comes right after teaching on the Lord's Prayer, and comes, out, comes right after uh, how to fast, and, and our possessions. And, and what's interesting, if you look at verse 24, the passage uh, usually gets ripped away from the context of Jesus' greater sermon. Right? It, it should not be, though, right? Now, look at the first word of verse 25. What is it? Therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, what do we do? We, we ask, what is it there for? So often, this, this next uh, passage of Scripture is, is all about anxiety and not worrying, and we're like, I want a good devotional about not worrying, so we start right there. But really, it's, it's connected to something more and something greater. And see, the truth is this. It's only after we have made our choice for heavenly treasure like, God, I want you to be my master. I want, I want heavenly treasure. And, and, and for, the, for the light and not the darkness to be in my heart and for obedience from the heart to one master. It's only after we make that decision. Then what comes next makes sense. Because when I made the decision to say, treasure's not my master, Jesus is. And I want to store up treasures in heaven. When I've made my decision to say, I'm going to seek him out in the secret place, in the, in the quiet, and I'm going, to, I'm going to fast and become more like him. I'm going to let my soul thrive, even though my body might decay. When we make that decision, right, when our hope is in him, when, when we go to him in prayer in the secret, not to be seen and heard, but when I go to him in prayer and say, God, from the heart of hearts of inside of me, I need you, I need more of you, and we pray something like the Lord's Prayer. When we've made that decision, it's a lot easier to not worry. It's a lot easier to not worry. So we're going to see that today unfolded a little more. And, and, and we're kind of going to see not just a, a, you know, how do we not worry. We're going to see what happens when we don't worry and why we shouldn't worry. But it should ultimately come from our trust in God and our allegiance to Him and our, our desire to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven and to practice the righteousness of His kingdom. I don't know about you, but as we've gone through this text, it's been challenging because as I'm living my daily life, 
or interacting with people outside of, of course, outside of the church, because we act, we act nice with each other, don't we? But when you're outside of the church, and I, when I, I found myself speaking or talking or, or even my attitude changing, I've, I've challenged myself. I've been challenged by the Word of God. And the question that keeps coming back to me is this, Brandon, is that, is that attitude, or Brandon, are those words, words of the righteousness of the kingdom? Are, is that attitude, are those words lining up with the practice of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? And how many times have I been challenged in that? And, and, and God's like, hey, you're looking more like the world than you are the kingdom of heaven. And we do that, don't we? It's almost like default because it's all around us. So it, it has to be a renewal that happens every day in our heart to say, I want to yield my heart to him. So with that said, I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read the entirety of this passage, and then we'll spend some time breaking it apart, okay? Let's look at verses 25 through the end of the chapter. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about your clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field as they grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. So don't worry, saying... What will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the Word of God. So today... We're going to unpack what it means to not worry. That's the sermon title, Don't Worry. And three points about this. Number one, don't worry. Your heavenly Father loves you. Now, I, I, I want you to know something. I need to share this with you because uh, all week long, it's been in my mind, and I've, I can't get it out of my head, so you're welcome. I'm going to share it with you. As I've studied on Don't Worry, I came across the great theologian, Bob Marley. <laughs> right? Not, not really the great theologian, but, but what did he say? Don't worry about a thing because every little thing gonna be all right don't worry sorry it, it's kind of catchy right but even in the, the context of what bob marley's saying don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right uh, that's not true in the world that's not true when it comes to the world so as we go through this we have to have an, a, a not worldly perspective but a heavenly perspective a kingdom of god perspective about anxiety and worry because and you and i can when we hopefully leave uh after we've sang real worship songs we can reinforce in our mind that we don't have to worry about a thing because we have a heavenly father and that loves us we don't worry you know and every every little thing is going to be all right as long as you know and have the heavenly father that loves you so that's number one don't worry about a thing uh because your heavenly father loves you more than that he, he knows you he sees you he pursues you 
He loves you. He loves you. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry. There's the command. There's the point of the sermon, right? Don't worry about what? Your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? Now, I want to stop there. I want us to kind of break this down. There's a couple key things here to, to, to consider. It says this, don't worry about your life or your body. That's basically what we spend most of our time doing, don't we? We worry about my life. My life, what am I going to do with my life? My body, how can I be healthy and I'll, I'll put together well? I don't want to have so many aches and pains. We worry about our body and our life. And, and, and what specifically, we kind of take our body and life and see that there's two ways this can go in our worry. We can say, I want to worry about my body and life, what I'm going to wear and what I'm going to eat. But, but he says there's more to body and life than just food and clothes. Why is that? Because food and clothes will wear out. They will disappear. And whatever you and I gain in this life, in this world, that has to do with our body or our life will eventually die. It will eventually be stripped away from us. So isn't it kind of our Heavenly Father to say, don't worry about the things of this world that pertain to your heaven or to your body and your life. I've got your body. I've got your life covered. In fact, that's here's what I think he would say to us. That's why I gave my life for you. Because I love you. And the life and the body is more than this world has to offer. See, this is about an eternal perspective. Worry. Listen, today, if you're here and you're worrying about eternity, like, am I going to heaven? That's a good worry to have. I want you to have that worry. I want you to get that solved. Jesus says he can take care of that for you. That, that you can't do it on your own. That he gave his life for your life and your body. So that if you would come to him and turn away from your own idols, turn away from your own sin and put your trust and faith in him, that he's got you. That his life and his body, his death, his resurrection covers you. And that your eternity is covered and sealed when you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. You become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So then that worry can go away. For the rest of us who have that worry, have, it's already gone away. We, we have trusted Christ. We know Christ. And why the heck do we keep worrying about this world? We keep worrying about what am I going to eat or what am I going to wear? Don't you know God loves you? God loves you. The life is more than food. The body more than clothing. And he goes on and says, consider in verse 26. Consider, think, just think about the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. He didn't say there. Their Heavenly Father. No, your Heavenly Father, the one that loves you, feeds the birds. And he, and, and he goes on, aren't you worth more than they? The answer is, yes. Yes, you are. Can any of you, this is verse 27, I, I, this is interesting. Can any of you, and I, and I wrote down in my notes, do better? Right? Can any of you do better than God? No. Can, can can any of you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? He's saying, okay, you want to worry. You want to take it into your own hands. And can you do better than God? Can you worry more than God cares for you? And, and why do you worry? This is, why do you worry? 
about clothes. Observe how the wildflowers in the field grow. They don't labor or spin. So there's kind of a juxtaposition here, right? Why do you worry? They don't. The lilies don't worry. The birds don't worry. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. God delights. This is, this is the point of this. God delights to adorn things. God delights to adorn things. He delights to adorn you. What does that mean? He, he delights to take care of you and to love you and to take care of your body and your life. But let's look at his character. Matthew 7 says this. You don't have to turn there. Who among you, if, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone or a rock? Or, or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If, then, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. So what is he saying? Regular old people, everyday people, even ones that are bad and separated from God, if their son asks him for bread, hey, yeah, here, here's some food. I'll take care of you. Even, even evil people do that. What's the point? How much more? Will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask you? Ask him. He delights to adorn. He delights to provide for you. He is a good father. Luke tells us in Luke 12, seek first his kingdom. And that we'll see that in a few minutes. Seek his kingdom. And those things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid or don't worry, little flock, because your father, your father, again, he says, delights to give you the kingdom. Your Father delights to give you the kingdom. The problem is, we aren't wanting the kingdom. We're worrying about our kingdom. That, that's the problem we face. God's like, I'm here. You're Heavenly Father. I love you. I'm pursuing you. I see you. I'm better for you. I've got your life. I've got your body. Why are you worrying about that? Put your eyes on me. Well, of course. And then we stray away again, don't we? We worry about this life and what he says, I, 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 he delights to give us, he delights to give you the, the blessings of the kingdom of God. He delights. So we should delight in him. Philippians says, and Paul says this in Philippians, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. See, we have reason to rejoice in the Lord, don't we? We have reason. He's a heavenly father who loves you, who sees you, who pursues you, who cares about your life and your body, who gave his life for your life. So you can be rescued from sin and death. And only that, He provides and delights to provide for you. So we should rejoice in the Lord always. Paul says, I say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Then he goes on, he says, don't worry about anything. So see, there's, there's a connection between knowing our Heavenly Father and rejoicing in Him and not, not then worrying. Don't worry. But, through, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Make them known. And then the peace of God. Does peace come from worry? No. Okay, does peace come from worry? No. Peace does not. It is the opposite of peace. Worry is the opposite of peace. When we can rejoice in the Lord, a good and gracious Heavenly Father, and when we lay our, our requests down to Him and our, our needs and our, even our worries down to Him, His peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why? Because He cares about your life and your body. A heart and mind that is not centered on the Father who loves you, is not centered on the Father who delights to give you Himself as the blessing of the kingdom, 
A life that's not centered on that will be a life of worry. And will be a life that has good cause to worry. But for you and I who have put our trust in the Father that loves us, we don't have to worry. Number two, don't worry. But remember that we live by faith. We live by faith. And I usually I'd say, well, don't worry, live by faith. But it's, it's so imperative, it's said so many times throughout Scripture, to remember. Remember. Most of my conversations with myself or my family or with you, it, when you're struggling or when I'm struggling, when struggle comes, most of those conversations have, have a little bit of an edge of, I'm doubting God. I, I don't, am I sure God is there? Did he really say? And, and that comes from where? That comes from the Garden of Eden. When Satan tempted and said, did God really say? It, he still tempts in the same way today. He wants you and he wants me to think that God is a liar and not trustworthy. He's the liar. God is not the liar. Satan is the liar. So it's okay. We can have doubts, have fears. Worry can come in, but we need to, to counter that worry with the truth of who God is. So oftentimes in those conversations with myself or my family or with you, we go back and we do a little history lesson. Maybe you've been part of this before. I'm like, hey, you remember what God did right here? You remember when God did this in your life? Hey, do you remember when this happened? Do you remember when this happened? And we start to get that, you start feeling up again like, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, God, God's been there the whole time. I don't have to worry. In, in fact, right where I'm in today, I just have to remember. And although I don't know what he's going to do, I can remember what he has done for me, and then I live by faith. We walk by faith, and it's not blind faith. It's not, God, I really hope you're going to show up. No, it's God, you have shown up over and over and over and over again. Every time I've needed you, you've shown up. And right now, I don't feel you, I don't see you, I don't know what you're up to, but guess what? I'm going to trust because you have never let me down. Don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Matthew 6, 30 through 32. Remember, we live by faith. He calls it out. Jesus teaching, he says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? Then what does he call you? Oh, you of little faith. That's why when we, not to not worry, we have to have faith and trust in who he is. That, that it's only by his power he's made us kingdom citizens. Right? And it's only through his power can we actually be practicing the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven. It's only by his power and, and through faith in him that we can remember what he's done and acknowledge that we don't have to worry today because he will provide for us tomorrow. You have little faith. Listen, worry, worry is energized and fueled by little faith. Put that in your notes, if nothing else. Worry is energized and fueled by little faith. If, if you are swelling up with worry in your life, you're lacking faith. Now, I, I, I get it that we, we, we will still struggle and still grieve. The world, the world stinks. It, it, I was talking to someone the other day just about the, the, the horrificness of what we see in the world. Many of you maybe uh, have gone to see that human trafficking movie, right, at the theater and, and, and been like exposed to, wait, what, this evil exists? Yes, 
There's more human slavery today than there's ever been on planet Earth. We are not getting better, people. We are not finding our own way. We need Jesus badly. We need Jesus badly. But worry comes in, and, and worry is fueled by little faith. Fueled by little faith. Does God really love me? And when we, when we go that way, what we're doing is we're, we're holding on in some way to this life and saying, but if this is better or right or person's restored or my relationship's good or my finances are okay or if this person goes to this college or, or if my, my friend is healed, then, then I'll trust. God's like, stop holding on to your life and your body. I gave mine for you so you didn't have to do that. Because the promise of this world since the fall is that sin and death will continue to reign. But there is one that is bigger than sin and death, and his name is Jesus Christ. And our hope should be in him. Our hope should be in him. He, in fact, he says this, don't worry, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentile, Gentiles eagerly seek. What is he saying? People who don't believe in God, they're the ones that need to be worried. They're the ones that worry all the time. Don't be like them. They seek after the answers to these things. And your heavenly father he knows that you need them. He knows exactly what you need. Whether, what, and it doesn't mean, he, like, oh, I, I need to be healed. That's what I need. Maybe you want to be healed. Maybe you need strength to endure because you're not going to be healed. Maybe you need greater resolve and faith. He knows what you need. Let him give you what you need. Worry is the practice of doubt. It is anti-faith. It not only says, I, I don't know, but it adds, I, I can't trust really anything except myself to figure it out because I'm going to worry about it. And if, when I worry hard enough, it'll, it'll solve itself, right? You understand that logic is so, so flawed. Us worrying and putting that burden upon ourselves just drives us into deep, deep despair. And we are ineffective at everything after that. Why we believed the lie. We believed the lie. And maybe we've been claimed, maybe you've been claiming that lie. Call it what you want, tension or anxiety or worry, but we need to call it what God calls it. He calls it unbelief. He calls it little faith. We're called to remember, right? Remember. In Matthew 16, he says, You have little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you don't have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't, don't you know? Don't you remember the five loaves and the five thousand and how many baskets you collected or the seven loaves and the four thousand and how many large baskets you collected? God's like, don't you remember that I'm good? Don't you remember I could take care of this? And then he, he goes on, he's deeper because there's, there's not only is it, can I have faith and trust, it's, it's will, I, will I not believe what the lies are being told? He says, why is it you don't understand when I told you, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the false teaching of them? Right? And the false teaching would be, hey, you should worry about your life. You should give more to us so you don't have to worry. This is, this is false teaching. It, he said, when I told you not to beware of the leaven of them, it wasn't about the bread. It's, it's not about the bread. It, what is it about? The, the, then they understood. He had not told them to beware of the leaven in the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees. The teaching is, if you shape up, you'll be okay. It's false. He's the bread of life. He'll be everything I need. It's not about me shaping up. It's about me yielding my heart to God. It's about the heart. A heart that says, I remember God. I remember what, 
what you've done and how you provided it. A heart that says, I'm going to trust in you. Paul talks about this remembering. He says, remember that one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. You were separated from God, right? You were Gentiles in the flesh, um, and which at, at that time you were without, here's all of the descriptors. Here's all the descriptors you need to know that at that one time, remember at one time you were without Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise. You were without hope and without God. Sounds like a good day, doesn't it? Sounds horrible. Again, that, that's what we should be worried about, is being without God, without hope, without Christ, excluded from citizenship. But, but now, what's the promise? But now, in Christ Jesus, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we who were far away, we've been dr drawn near and brought near by the blood of Christ. And He is our peace. He is our peace. Peace does not come from worry. Peace comes through hope, and hope only in the living Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. There's power, power in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. You need saving, there's power in Jesus. For in it, in, in this gospel, the righteousness of God or the righteousness of the kingdom of God is revealed from faith to faith. Those are solid, solid truths. And, and oftentimes, like at that point, we're in this tipping, like, ah, do I want to believe it? Do I want to trust it? Can I trust it? Well, what am, I, what am I trusting? That the gospel is the power of God for salvation. You need hope, you need help, you need salvation. The gospel has it for anyone who believes. And, and in it, in the gospel, God's righteousness, not your righteousness, not your friend's righteousness, not the righteousness you're trying to achieve, but God's righteousness, His perfect righteousness, is revealed and given to you for, in faith in Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Paul goes on to say, because of that truth, it's written, the righteous will live then by faith. So we know a truth and we hold on to a truth and we live by faith in that truth. But he goes on to say, God's wrath, God's judgment, God's, God's dis dismay at us is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness. Well, well, okay, so if, if faith is righteousness, right, and, and righteousness of the kingdom, our faith in, in God is for righteousness, then the opposite of that, uh, we're finding there's judgment and against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who, by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. So you see what happens? The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and our faith in that produces righteousness. When we take the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and when we suppress and shove down and step on and, and cover the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, now it's just godlessness and unrighteousness that results. And, and that's the world we live in. And we wouldn't want to say, well, it's, my worry is not godlessness. I think it is. We have a God that cares for you, a Father who loves you. You remember all that he's done for you. We don't need to be godless and suppress the truth of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We let it invade our lives. And there will always be a tension between this truth and a lie. Right? Satan constantly bombards us and whispers to us the lies that are meant to steal and kill and, and destroy our joy. What, but what is Satan putting into question? Our righteousness. 
Are we right before God? Are we right in our ways of thinking? He makes us doubt that, that God is even good enough for us. He says, can you really rely and trust God? The answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely. But he brings doubt and he urges us to retake control of our lives, to worry and, and then in doing that suppress and abandon the truth and the hope that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the hope we saw. The, the hope, the truth is that at one time you weren't good enough. We were separated from God without hope and peace, but through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been brought near, we have been forgiven and filled with hope and peace and joy. So we now are to continue to remember and to continue to live by faith in Jesus Christ. Don't worry about a thing. Every little thing is going to be all right. Number three, don't worry. It robs you of joy today. Don't worry. It robs you of joy today. Look at Matthew 6, the last two verses, 33 and 34. He says, but, so instead, here, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's just going back to the theme that, that we are to be kingdom people, citizens of the kingdom of heaven with kingdom righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be provided or added unto you. Don't worry. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, when we seek Him first, He takes care of us. That's what this says. When we seek Him first, He takes care of us. He provides for us. What does He add to us? He, he provides for our needs. He provides for our delights. He provides for our peace he provides for our joy. That's what He adds to us. That's what He provides for us. And what does it mean to seek Him first? Well, he, Jesus has already just preached through the model prayer, right? Remember what He said during the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer? He said, uh, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, we're praying to our Father, our Heavenly Father in heaven. Why? Because He loves us. He cares about us. Right? He's, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This, this is... This is a mentality of a heart that approaches God, not to, not to just quote Scripture and say, here's my babbling prayer of the Lord's Prayer, but to actually go from our heart to a Heavenly Father and say, God, I want your will. I want your kingdom. I want it all to be first. I want to seek you first. To seek his kingdom first is to seek his rule, his will, and his authority in your life. Moment by moment. And when we seek that, it dethrones us. And we are the one that needs typically to be dethroned from our own little kingdom, don't we? Romans, Paul says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is what, this is what the righteousness is. When we seek first, today, we, we say, today I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. When we do that, it's about righteousness and peace and joy from the Holy Spirit right now. And to worry is to, to lose our, our feeling of righteousness and peace and joy. Paul exhorts in Colossians, he says, listen, you've been raised with Christ, so if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Right? We, again, we hold on to and attach our hearts so quickly to the things of this earth, and that causes worry. He says, no, 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 you, you have a heavenly Father who loves you, you've submitted and surrendered to His will, His rule, His authority, so now that you've been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Again, he says it again. Not on earthly things, but above. 
For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also be with him in glory. See, Paul's saying, listen, there, there is something so much better than this life has to offer. And it is real life. And it is eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what did he tell us? What's the exhortation? Like, seek things above. It's not just to do that, but he says, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. When we start worrying, we need to put that down real quick. We start holding on to the things of this world that, well, I don't have enough, or if only I had this, or if I could work it out, you need to put those things to death. He says, put to death the things that belong to your earthly nature. Sexual morality are part of that. Impurities, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. They'll rob us of our peace and joy because we're worrying about that. And God's like, I've got you covered if you would just trust in me. Seek the things from above. And then there we'll find his mercy. We'll find his grace. If we seek the things of this world, we will find sin and unbelief and we will find worry and despair. Final two passages I want to encourage you from. Lamentations chapter 3. Why don't you go ahead and turn there. In your Bible, Lamentations 3. Look in the index, check out where that is. <laughs> like, where's Lamentations? I don't know. Lamentations chapter 3. This is a, kind of a life verse, and um, I think you should be there and Underline this and highlight this and then write it on a three-by-five index card and put it on your rearview mirror. Kind of a great way to not worry. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. In fact, you could read more of it. It's really great reading ahead a little beyond or, and uh, before this. By the way, the rule, the 2020, you want to see perfect vision, it's 2020. That's what you hear that, right? Uh, there's kind of a rule of thumb for context and for a little more vibrance of a verse. So you're like, oh, that's a life first. You want to see it clearly? Read 20 verses before, 20 verses after. Little tip. That's for free. All right. <laughs> Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new when? Every morning. Every morning. I say, the Lord is my portion, therefore I put my hope in Him. Oh, sorry, great is thy faithfulness, right? They are new every morning. We talk about worry, and we say, well, I, God, I know I've got, your, I've, got, I've got you today, but I need your mercies tomorrow. I need your mercies in about five days. It's going to be, I, I was thinking about that earlier with my wife, like, we're going to be packing and going on a trip. I'm like, when are we going to do this? How are we going to, I'm stressing about, I'm like, just, God's like, just chill. Just embrace my mercy today. I'll cover you tomorrow, and I'll cover you the next day. I have got you. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. I say, the Lord is my portion. I'll put my hope in Him. Then Isaiah 26, and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read this to you. It says this in verses 3 and 4. You, God, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. And see, that, that mind that's dependent, I believe, very strongly cor uh, correlates with uh, the Lord is my portion, therefore I put my hope in Him. See, putting my hope in Him makes me dependent on Him. The mind of my mind is dependent on you, and you put you keep my mind in perfect peace. For it is trusting in you. 
trust in the Lord forever. Because in the Lord, the Lord Himself is an everlasting rock. This is who we have as a Heavenly Father. This is who we can trust. This is why we don't have to worry. Because we have a God who loves us. Listen, worry will rob you of your joy today. So live by faith in the Father who loves you and gave His life for you. Trust Him. Amen? Amen. I invite our worship team to come back up. Let's stand together and, and pray. And we're going to go into a time of, of just responsive worship. And, you, and my hope is that as we sing these next songs, that our, our, our desire is to overflow from, from the Word of God to the Lord Jesus in, in praise. And maybe you need to overflow from the Word of God in, in prayer. So pray. We're going to invite our children to come back in and be a part of that as well. And, and just to show them that we can sing to Jesus. We can love Jesus. A lot of times we talk about the, the first song back is Great is Thy Faithfulness. That's an old hymn, right? But boy, I tell you what, we need to sing that to ourselves right now, don't we? When we talk about don't worry, hey, why? Because great is thy faithfulness. We sing that to ourselves. And maybe you need to sing it to your, your, your friend next to you, your wife or your husband or your kids. Sing it to each other. Let the word of God be sung to you in your heart that you might see and know that He is a faithful God, that He is a trustworthy God. Whatever it is that you need to do in response to God, I'm also going to be down in front here. I'd love, if you need, need prayer for something, I'd love to pray for you too. I'll be down for the first song or two and then join my family as well. So let's, let's sing to the Lord.